Let's give the Lord praise tonight. He is worthy to be praised. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Something powerful happens when we praise God together. Hallelujah. Amen. What a privilege it is for me to be here with you and to be able to be in the camp meeting with such wonderful men of God as we have here and church families from all over this district. God bless you and thank you for being here tonight. I'm going to be going to the book of Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 9 and then to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1. I want to honor the Mississippi district tonight on 70 years of apostolic ministry. What a wonderful landmark it is and a testimony not only to those who are with us but to those that have gone on before us. And we give honor to all of them. I honor my district superintendent, my dear friend, Brother Gary Porterfield. I honor you, my friend. Amen. He is telling the truth. He took me on a horseback ride for about three hours. They never told me how to ride a horse. I've never been on one. I slapped the saddle, not with my hand. And the next day, I was in Bethlehem preaching for Brother Wilson, and I couldn't walk. He took me to a chiropractor. I had never been to one of them before either. It was in Ripley, and I sat in the waiting room. And before long, this little old man comes shuffling down the hallway with his hand on the wall. Just, and I thought, dear God, that's going to be me in a few minutes. <laughs> He stepped out and called my name. It was the doctor. And I thought, oh, heaven, come down and help me. I've never been the same since. I had to give up golf, that because I was no good at it. But I'd rather blame him than me. Brother Porterfield, you are a great man of God, and I honor you and thank you for your leadership and your friendship. Porterfield came to leadership not with the accolade of an election, but at a time when the district was grieving the loss of a great man, our previous district superintendent, Brother Joe McKnight. Traditionally in our district, the leadership baton has been passed on through election in orderly ways. But Brother Porterfield, I honor you in how you came to leadership and you helped our district as we begin to heal from such a loss. And thank you and your wife for that. With us tonight, Sister McKnight. And Sister McKnight, you are an absolute jewel of a lady. And I thank you so much for who you are. And we honor you and we remember your great husband tonight. God bless you. Amen. Our district board and department directors, thank you to our host church, the church I'm privileged to call my home church. I love you all. 
Thank you. Brother Carpenter, man, what a great preacher. What a great preacher. And Brother Poole has the amazing mix of an incredible anointing and a natural inner source of Red Bull. <laughs> he made a move last night that if Michael Jackson was alive, he'd have been envious. What great messages we've already heard. And then tomorrow I get to hear my favorite preacher, my bishop, Brother Wilson. Amen. I've been told by one of the judges that I'm on a clock. And in case I get caught speeding, I'm going to need him, so I'm going to hurry. <laughs> Philippians 4 and 9, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. I've hardly seen my wife this week. She works so much. She, uh, I'm asleep when she gets home, and, uh, and she has been working, so she's here somewhere. I want to say hello. There she is. Hi. Philippians 4 and 9, those things we have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Do. Last night it was do-see, D-U-E. Now it's D-O season. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I want to preach this thought tonight. Do what they did. Do what they did. God, I'm asking you to meet us in this sanctuary. Anoint the hearing of your word and the preaching of your word. Let it be mixed with faith. Accomplish your purpose tonight. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall and flow in this house. Confirm your word with signs following. Lord, I pray for a dispensation of your anointing over this house. God, that will not simply be for the next few moments, but God will fundamentally impact our life that we can go forth and do what the disciples did. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated today. In 1952, a group of forward-thinking elders formed an organization that would impact the world. The first general conference selected a body of bishops to guide the fellowship. Brother Daniels, Brother B.M. David, Brother J. Frank Wilson, Brother J.T. Mayo, Brother L.A. Parent, Brother J.L. Nugent, Brother M.M. Hudson, Brother R.L. Hancock, Brother James Ball, and Brother G.L. Akers. Brother J. Frank Wilson, the first general secretary 
filed the organization's papers with the Mississippi Secretary of State and Mississippi became the first district of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate men of God who have powerfully impacted North Mississippi. Our former district superintendents, Brother J. Frank Wilson, Bishop Raymond Bishop, Bishop Eugene Taylor, Bishop Joe McKnight, Bishop Gary Porterfield, and I was honored to serve in the same office for two terms. We have esteemed elders who have gone before us. Men like J.L. Pipkin, Brother Carl Lawson, Brother J.C. Hall, and others have left their mark upon our district. Some have come, some have gone, some have come back, and then gone again, and come back again. <laughs> Regardless, the Mississippi district has impacted the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ in profound ways. The Mississippi district has come a long way. And likewise, modern Pentecostalism has come a long way since Bethel Bible College in Topeka, Kansas, where on January the 1st of 1900, Agnes Osmond was baptized with the Holy Ghost, igniting a revival that would sweep the nation and the world. From Topeka to Houston, Texas, to Azusa Street in Los Angeles, a wave of revival began to spread. In terms of overall numbers, the World Christian Encyclopedia, third edition, published in 2020, counted 644 million Pentecostals and Charismatics worldwide. That's 8.3% of the world population. So that one in every 12 persons today is some type of a Pentecostal-oriented Christian. Last year, that number was raised to 656 million. It started in the American heartland in the twilight of the 19th century. First hundreds and then thousands and then tens of thousands of Baptists and Methodists, along with smaller numbers of Quakers and Mennonites and Presbyterians, etc., left their natal fellowships to join what Grant Wacker called one of the great religious migrations of modern times. These spiritual adventurers went by a variety of names, including Pentecostals, Apostolics, Holiness people, and holy rollers. To outsiders, the emotionalism of a Pentecostal meeting seemed radical. In the fire-baptized holiness services of the late 1890s, a divine healing rally was held. One leader remembered, quote, people screamed until you could hear them for three miles on a clear night. A newspaper reporter wrote, that those attending this divine healing rally did so, quote, at their own risk. 
Another said that a Pentecostal prayer meeting sounded like the female ward of an insane asylum. Tonight I come before this great 70th camp meeting of the Mississippi District of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ not to bore you with historical or anthropological anecdotes. I have, however, come to preach to you tonight about where our movement lies and hopefully where our future is going. Our conferences and camp meetings are held in the finest hotels and convention halls in the country. We have been blessed with a beautiful place to have church. But the Apostolic Church in the Mississippi District did not start out at fine hotels and large meeting rooms. We're not here tonight having advanced on our own, but we are here because of the sacrifices of, and the cost of past generations. Amen. While we worship in relative comfort, your churches were often met with great resistance and person in their early years. But now Pentecost is more acceptable. Our style of worship has become popular. Make no mistake, even though many denominational churches have, quote, contemporary worship services, it's not always been that way. We've come a long way. We don't have brush arbor services anymore, though I might like to try one sometime. Very few of us are still in storefronts. Most of us have from well-established, solid apostolic churches. We don't sit on sawdust floors or huddle by wood-burning stoves anymore. We don't have to go to logs in the woods. To we have comfortable prayer rooms. Our churches are full of talent. Our congregations have the finest. We have the best programs, the best musical instruments, padded pews. We rode here in nice vehicles, wearing nice clothes, and in a little bit we're going to eat some good food. But let me remind you that this movement, this great apostolic church, did not begin in convention halls. We were not founded on talent or technology or architecture. We didn't become who we are because of keyboards, guitars, and drums, and lights, and projection. Degrees and certificates and commendations have not made us who we are. We don't have accordions and tambourines anymore. I saw one over there. I almost hit it. We don't play upright pianos anymore. We have evolved beyond that. We're too religiously cultured for any of that old stuff. We're a blessed people. Indeed, the apostolic church as a whole has come a long way. The early church was met on its very first day with the crowd of people mocking them and accusing them of drunkenness. The church was disrespected by society, oppressed by the established dead religion of its day and dispersed by great persecution by the Roman governmental system. Paul, the preeminent mind and voice of the church, was stoned, beaten, prisoned, 
and eventually martyred for the very same gospel that we preach in this place. To this point. To this point, we've not faced the same privation. But may I tell you that though the church has arrived on the modern stage, we have come a long way from the primitive church of the book of Acts or even the early days of the Mississippi district 70 years ago. We have advanced. We've come a long way from our primitive days where we had people throwing rocks through our church windows during revival and making mockery of the holy rollers. We're not backwoods little religious sect anymore. We're part of the civilized world. Our movement has come a long way. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful for it. Amen. I'm thankful for it. Our air conditioner, it's trying its best to keep up. And I know that it fails a little bit, but it's better to have a little bit of it than none of it. Amen. We've come a long way. As part of my work with the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, I often travel to foreign countries to preach and teach in our national conferences and Bible colleges. I've been to Africa and Europe and Asia and South America, Central America, the Middle East. When you go to these countries, they always want to take you on a sightseeing tour. And invariably, everywhere in the world I go, they take me to some church, some ancient old church. In Russia, you go to the Church of the Spilled Blood. Then you go to St. Basil's Cathedral and St. Isaac's. In Paris, you tour the Cathedral of Notre Dame, what you did before it burned. In Germany, you go to Worms and you, you tour the, the church where Martin Luther was preaching and eventually prisoned. In Rome, you walk through ancient churches in catacombs. And now, all over Europe, churches are primarily museums and not houses of worship. The churches that forged the continent are parts of her history, but not part of their current everyday life. In America, the church has migrated from the center of life to the fringe, if that. The influence of Christianity has diminished and continues to fade. A few years ago, I grew weary of just talking about revival. I got tired of wishing for revival, dreaming about revival. I got tired of reading about revival, singing about revival, and talking about revival. I decided I wanted to have revival. Amen. Can I preach to you a little while tonight? The Holy Ghost began to afflict me in prayer. I would begin to pray and ask God to touch other people. And God would start in on me. I'd lay in that prayer room back there and I'd ask God, to change other people. And every time I asked God to change somebody else, God started working me over. One day he worked me over so much, I said, God, if you're going to keep talking to me that way, I'm not going to come pray tomorrow. I began to study the book of Acts. I began to teach the book of Acts. I began to study the early church and the first century church. 
and the early modern Pentecostal revival. I have somewhere in my office right now, somewhere around 160 different commentaries on the book of Acts. Thank you, Brother Chester, for a lot of them. I have hundreds of books on the history of Pentecostalism, the history of the apostolic church, church growth, discipleship methods, hundreds and hundreds of books trying to learn what the early church did. The New Testament church was a church of signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. Signs are visible evidence of God's supernatural activity. Wonders are works of God intended to create a sense of awe and amazement. Miracles are mighty acts that reveal the power of God. All of these were done to help the church evangelize its world. It was not for the entertainment of those already in. It was always to show those on the outside how good it is to know God. Amen. Hallelujah. A perusal of the book of Acts reveals that signs, wonders, and miracles were in the spiritual DNA of the early church. From small and unlikely beginnings in Jerusalem, the message of Jesus exploded across the Roman world within a short amount of time. It was powered by the Holy Ghost and fueled by the passion of the disciples who had spent time with Jesus. The apostles planted new churches in pagan Gentile cities throughout Palestine, North Africa, Europe, Asia Minor, and beyond. Their mission was urgent. Man, I'm trying to talk as fast as I can to get to where I'm trying to go. Amen. Are you still with me? The mission was urgent. The scope of their vision was staggering. Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. God. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise for the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off 
even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If, if, if I wasn't in such a hurry, if I wasn't in such a hurry right now, I'd tell you that every denominational preacher that tells you that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was only for the 12 apostles or only for the first century church, those men are telling you they're either purposely lying or they don't understand the Bible because my Bible says that everybody that God calls is open for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. It's a promise for everybody. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church. I'm starting to feel an ancient anointing come up on me right now. They gladly received his word. They were baptized. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. They continued in breaking bread. They continued in prayer. They continued daily in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They did praise God, and they did have favor with all the people. And when they did what they could do, and the Lord added daily to the church such. If you'll do what you can do, he'll do what only he can do. It's due season again tonight. Oh God. And on it goes throughout the book of Acts. You know, Brother Poole, I always say that a preacher, a Pentecostal preacher especially, ought to preach by feel. And when I feel hungry, I quit preaching. And so, but knowing that, I ate right before I came in. Just because. Now I wish I had adult M&Ms. Known as Tums. On and on it goes throughout the book of Acts. Great power, great demonstration, great anointing, great signs, great wonders, great miracles, great revival. In Acts 4, 43, when they prayed, the building was shaken. In Acts 5 and 11, many signs and wonders were done. In Acts 5, 15 through 16, the shadow of Peter passed over the sick and the Bible said they were all healed. In Acts 5, 17 to 21, the apostles were delivered from prison by an angel. On and on it goes. On through Acts chapter 7, miracles. Chapter, chapter 6, chapter 7, miracles, miracles. Chapter 8, 
The Ethiopian's converted. Philip is carried to Azotus. Chapter 9, Jesus speaks to Paul from heaven. Acts chapter 9, Aeneas is healed from paralysis. Acts chapter 9, Dorcas is raised from the dead. Acts 10, an angel visits Cornelius. Acts 10, his whole house is saved and baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Every chapter, I'm not going to read it all, but every chapter in the first 16 chapters of the book of Acts, every single chapter is miracle after miracle after miracle, except for Acts chapter number 11. There are no miracles in Acts chapter number 11, because in Acts chapter number 11, Peter has to try to convince church people that he was all right for reaching for lost people. Let me hit rewind. And let me say it again. Miracles in every chapter except for 11. Because in 11 the religious people were mad. Because they were reaching out for the dirty Gentiles. And anytime a movement forgets its evangelism. God will shut off the supernatural. You want the supernatural? Go get some drug addicts. You want the supernatural? Go get some people that are addicted to alcohol and meth and cocaine. Go get some sinners and God will unlock the supernatural in your church. chapter 11 they finally get those those hypocrites worked out they get those Pharisees dealt with and then in Acts chapter number 12 all of a sudden Peter was in prison as soon as they get their evangelism back on track Peter's in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him 16 soldiers guarding him, but an angel walks right into the prison and brings him out. Because when a church gets its evangelism right, it gets the supernatural right. Don't expect a miracle on Sunday if you haven't invited somebody to church. God has no obligation to give you revival if you haven't visited the sick, the diseased, the sinner. If you're not teaching Bible studies to sinners, don't ask God for miracles. I know I'm getting a little bold, but I'm used to being behind this pulpit. In Acts 13, Elamus the sorcerer was blinded by the Lord, and because of that, many were believed and converted. Acts 14, a crippled man at Lystra was healed. Acts 15, God worked many miracles and wonders through the hands of Barnabas and Paul. Acts 16, the demons are cast out of the slave girl. Acts 16, Paul set free from prison by an earthquake. You may have noticed that in chapter after chapter, the supernatural is poured out. I will tell you that it is the birthright of the church to have a supernatural demonstration of the power of God. Dead church is not in our DNA. Dead church is not in our DNA. And on and on it goes throughout the book of Acts. Revival, 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 revival everywhere, all the time, every church. Revival. In March of 2020, 
while the lockdown for COVID was happening here, I was in Israel. I went to the upper room on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. I have a picture that I took from the corner of the upper room in Israel. I sat on a stone that was near the far corner from the entrance. And as I sat on that stone, I began to read the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Within a few verses, I was overcome by the Spirit of the Lord. I was overwhelmed by the power of God. I was so overcome that eventually the group left me. Brother Joe Tucker stayed behind to tell me where they went. Because I just couldn't quite get it together. But while I was sitting, did, did you put the picture up for me, please? While I was sitting in the upper room, while I was sitting in the upper room, praying and seeking God and weeping and asking God for revival, for a move of the Spirit, for God to move, the Holy Ghost talked to me while I was sitting in the upper room. And he gave me one simple sentence. If you want what they had, you have to do what they did. If you want what they had, you've got to do what they did. Pentecostal is more than clapping your hands to music and talking in tongues once in a while. It's a 24-7, 365 proposition that pours Holy Ghost revival on the life of a fire-baptized believer. It's not just Sunday morning and Sunday night. It's Monday and Tuesday. If you want what they had, you have to do what they did. Brothers and sisters, I want what they had. I want tongues of fire. I want a mighty rushing wind. I want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want what they had. I want what they had where they didn't just give a 10 second prayer and expect you to perform like a dancing monkey for them. God, I want what they had where I'll pray until heaven opens and something breaks in my church, in my family. I'm not going to accept that my children are going to be lost. I'm not going to accept that my church is going to wither up and die. I want what they had. And I tell our great apostolic young people in this place today, do not accept what dead denominationalism has presented as modern Christianity. There's more than drinking in a bar on Saturday and singing in a choir on Sunday. 
There's more than dressing like a godly person on Sunday and looking like a streetwalker on Friday night. There's more than that. There's more than that. You can have more than that. There's more. But if you want what they had, you got to do what they did. It's more than just being a church brat that knows how to clap their hands to the tune. It's an everyday proposition. I want to be a walking, talking, breathing revival. I want my city to know that there's something happening in Bethlehem, that there's something happening in the church, that there's a life change. I want to see the dead raised again. I said, I want to see the dead raised again. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I, I want people, I want to see people lined up for hours to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want to watch the town drunk walk down the aisle to the altar and be sobered up by the Holy Ghost and changed. But if you want what they have, you gotta do what they did. content with the cold dead carnal version of Christianity that America has embraced I'm not willing to give up our schools to the devil our workplaces to the devil our neighborhoods to gangs and drug addicts I'm not willing uh, to give up our families to this world. Uh, I've come to preach uh, that we can indeed have a Book of Acts revival in 2022, but we can't do it if we're cold and we're dead and we're dry and we're bored and we're consumed by the world. If you want what they had, you got to do what they did. I wish somebody would shout with me for a minute. If you want what they had, you got to preach what they preached. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Jesus Christ is the express image of the invisible God. There is no trinity. That's heresy. It's false doctrine. And if you want what they had, you got to preach what they preached. It's... It's one God, and Jesus is his name. He's not a way to God. He's the way to God. And he's not just the way to God. He is God. Brother Porterfield, when I was a kid, My dad was a Chrysler employee in the Jimmy Carter years, which means he was laid off for two and a half years. I had his Social Security number memorized because I would go with him while he filled out job applications when I was a little kid. I remember his Social Security number better than I remember mine. You say, well, why was he taking you? Because they couldn't afford child care. We had some time there. It was government cheese or nothing. My mom would mix 
a can of tomatoes, government cheese, and macaroni. And we ate it and thought it was good. She made something one time. We didn't have a whole lot in the house at that moment. So she just took what she had and put it all in a pot. I mean, it was like, it was the most god-awful stuff. It was survival food. You needed it because you wanted to. You eat it because you were hungry. She put everything. You know my mom could cook, Tim. This, this is Brother Tim White, adopted city pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas. My oldest friend in the world. We grew up about two blocks from each other. Same Sunday school, same elementary school, middle school, high school. If you try to get him to tell stories about me growing up, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hold that peace and come out of here. She put everything she could in that pot. I, asked her, I said, what is this stuff called? She didn't have a name for it. She called it the Three Wise Man Special. It was special ed, all right. It was the most horrible stuff. Just throw this at and throw this in, this in, this in. Let me tell you what modern religion does. You want to worship idols? We'll throw a little bit of that in. All roads lead to heaven. All roads don't lead to heaven. All roads lead to hell. There's one road that leads to heaven. It's a straight and a narrow way. It's a Jesus name way. It's repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the way. That's the way. And if you want what they had, you got to preach what they preached. Can I, can I preach just a little bit, just a, just a little bit more? Because I was going to tell you, if you want what they had, you got to pray like they prayed. Can I, can I preach a little bit of a pet peeve for just a yes, second? Yes. Nothing bothers me more than a dead, quiet, dry prayer room. Yes. If you're going to have a dead, dry prayer room, you might as well have a tombstone out in your parking lot because the church is dead. Yes. Is this all right, Brother Cotrer? A dead prayer room is the sign of a dead church and a dead Christian. If you want what they had, you got to pray like they pray. 28 chapters. 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Everybody say 28 chapters. 28 chapters in the book of Acts. They had 33 prayer meetings. The book of Acts is a praying church. And if you want to have what they had, you got to pray like they prayed. There's no substitute for an intercessor. I'd rather have an intercessor than a singer. I'd rather have an intercessor than another preacher in the church. I'd rather have an intercessor than a millionaire. There's no substitute for prayer. The disciples have been raised to pray. They prayed morning prayers, afternoon prayers, and evening prayers. They prayed 18 benedictions three times a day. They prayed the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They prayed that twice a day. 
They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. But when they started hanging around Jesus, they realized the way that we prayed all these years won't get us what he's got. And so they went to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They knew that to have the kind of revival that he was calling for, they needed another level of prayer. Can I tell the sweet Mississippi district that what we need more than anything is for us to go to another level of prayer? Come on, we got to push ourselves to pray. If you want what they had, tell, say it with me, you got to pray. Say it with me, you got to pray. You say it loud. If you want what they had, you got to pray. Can I go one little step further? This is where some of the some of the people like to shout and talk in tongues, but that's all they like about us. That's where they're gonna jump off the boat. But if you want what they had, you have to live like they lived. The book of Acts church was a holiness church. I just said the H word. In 2022, I just said the H word. But if you want what they had, you got to live like they lived. The book of Acts church had no desire to be like the world. They wanted as much carnality taken out of themselves so they could have more of the Holy Ghost inside of them. You want more Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost wants a holy vessel. You got to live like they live. In a modern world where they're throwing aside the things that we've been built on. I'm calling on this generation to say, preach holiness to me. I don't want to be like everybody else. Everybody else has got our neighborhoods filled with methamphetamines. Everybody else has got bar rooms full and prayer rooms empty. I don't want what everybody else has. I want holiness without which no man. You want what they had, you got to live. If you want what they had, you got to live. It is a lie that this generation does not want holiness. Holiness beats addiction 365 days every year. Holiness beats depression. Holiness beats anxiety. Holiness beats worldliness. Holiness beats the things of this. I'm telling you, holiness is better than not knowing who you slept with last night or where you're going to wake up tomorrow. Come on. If you want what they had, you got to live. I want an old-fashioned upper room drunk on the Holy Ghost, holy move of the Spirit of God. I want what they had. I want what they had.
preaching 41 minutes and 41 seconds. It's time for the modern apostolic Pentecostal church to rise from this modern mess that passes as Christianity. We must reject the flesh-driven license of many of the modern movement. You do not reject what you've been built upon to get a crowd. God forbid that any of our, long, of our young preachers or old preachers would throw away the things that we've been built upon. Thinking that it's going to bring revival. It will not bring revival. It will bring apostasy. Everyone I've ever seen that walked away from holiness eventually walked away from Jesus' name too. They can say they have it, but you can see it when they baptize. If you... Did I lose you all there? Did I, did I lose you there? Am I being a little too bold? Brother Wilson, back in the old days when your daddy preached like this, everybody shouted. Do we have any young people that say, I don't want a watered down mess. I want the real Holy Ghost. Preach it to me. Preach it to me. Preach it. If you want what they had, you got to live like they live. scrape away the rust of routine and ritual and rut. We must step over centuries of dead denominationalism. We must go beyond the Reformation and the so-called early church fathers and reach beyond the philosophical invasion of Christianity that brought such heresies as infant baptism, Trinitarian dogma, dogma borrowed from Babylonian godheads. We got to reach past all of that and climb those rugged steps to an upper room one more time. Can you, can you throw that upper room picture up for me and just leave it up the rest of the night? We must boldly, unashamedly, and purposefully climb the metaphorical steps to the ancient upper room and say, God, baptize me with another Pentecost. I want what they have. I want what they had. I want what they had. I don't want some. I, I, look, I'm thankful for all the stuff we have up here. I'm thankful for this spaceship. All this stuff. I'm thankful for all this stuff. But I don't have to have this stuff to praise God. I don't praise Him because of the stuff. I praise Him. Because he saved me, he delivered me, he set me free. If you want what they had, you got to worship like they worshiped. Don't give me watered down worship. I want them to say those people are drunk. They're coming out of church on a Thursday night and they can barely walk. I want what they had. I want what they had. I want what they had. 
someday I'd like to see an old-fashioned holy roller one more time. I'd like to see some apostolic women shout their hair down instead of off. I want what they had. I want revival. I want a move of the Holy Ghost. I want it more than it. I want. So I got to do. Somebody got to do something. Somebody better do something right now. It's time. It's time to do what they did. I want it, I want it, I want it. I want it, God. I want it more than I want to fit in with the world. I want it more than I want to fit in with other churches. I want it more than I want to fit in with my buddies. I want revival more than I want anything. And if you want what they had, you got to do what they did. Somebody ought to talk in tongues right now. Somebody ought to throw their hands up and let the fire of the Spirit of the Lord baptize. It ought to not only be in the altar. It ought to be on the back row. It ought to be in the middle. It ought to be all all over this place. Somebody ought to say, God, I want it. I want it. I want it. Don't anybody want a fresh anointing? Any Any ministers want a fresh baptism on your ministry? Any churches, any youth groups want a fresh anointing on your youth group. Any music teams want a fresh anointing on your singing. If you want what they had, you got to do. It's due season. It's due season. It's D-O season. It's time to do it. It's time. Holy Ghost, baptize. Come on, it's time. Ah, ah, Does anybody feel that ancient anointing coming up? Anybody feel that ancient craving for an upper room? I wish a mom and dad would raise their hands and say, God, wherever my kids are, I want you to find them and deliver them. I'm not giving them over to this age. There any young preachers here, you want more than just a political system? You want more than just an organizational system, but you want a genuine outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Not to be cookie cutter, not just to fit in, not just have a nice suit, but I want an anointing. You ought to throw your hand in the air and say, God, I'm not leaving here until I'm baptized with fire from heaven. Come on, my grandmas and grandpas, you ought to throw your hands up all over this place. I know everybody can't come down here, but you can make down here happen everywhere. I want to do what they did. I want to do what they did. I want it. I want what they had. 
Some of you ought to go up to an elder and say, lay your hand on me. I want what you got. The Holy Ghost too From the top of my head To the sole of my feet I felt the Spirit moving all over me Say, you should have been there When I prayed through Church was on fire And the Holy Ghost too From the top of my head To the sole of my feet I felt the Spirit moving all over me Say, I've got the river I've got the river
desire and a hunger to have a mighty revival an old old time old fashioned revival I remember when I first received the Holy Ghost we'd go to our church on a Sunday night and we wouldn't leave to 3 o'clock in the morning amen we would pick up women and men in blankets and carry them to their car and they'd have us meet them amen at their house and carry them into their, their, their house Hallelujah. And you know what? Tonight, amen. I believe it's getting a hold of preachers. I believe it's getting a hold of saints. There's some Sunday school teachers here tonight. You're not going to be the same. There's a desire that God has planted inside our spirit, inside our soul, inside our mind. And we are about to have an old-fashioned revival in the Mississippi district. Somebody get hungry tonight. Somebody get hungry tonight. There's such an anointing in this place. You can be healed right now. There's such a hunger in this place. God is looking for somebody to bless. Come on, let's sing it again. Go ahead and take this home with you. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship you. From the top of my head to the sole of my feet, I felt the Spirit moving all over me. Church was on fire, the top of my head, the soul of my feet, the Holy Spirit. Oh, my body, but 
for me Oh, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free I want to dance, 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 dance All night, all night, all night, all night, all night, all night. Hey. When I think about Jesus what he's like The bad news is not everybody gave. So we're, we believe that God is a God of second chances. So maybe you didn't know about the offering or you weren't prepared. We're going to give you the opportunity to come back, bring something tomorrow night. I know last year we had many that came uh, 
back later and gave more, and uh, we were able to increase that. So we really want to uh, bless the missionaries in Germany. So if you were not able to give tonight, bring something special tomorrow night. Mark it for missions, and uh, we appreciate your giving. Thank you, and God bless you. Won't you clap your hands to the Lord? Thank God for his word. Thank God for this great offering. Thank God for the moving of God's Spirit. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in the house. There's one right here about to be restored. Hallelujah. Can we pray just one moment? Hallelujah. Could you just lift your hands this way? Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. That's it. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Such a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. That's it, glory, glory, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Jesus. Hallelujah. I see the Holy Ghost moving. Restoration. Restoration. What a mighty move of God. These nights that we have enjoyed. Tomorrow night is our final night of this series of services. And if you want a seat, I would say you should get here early. Amen. Amen. We, we want everybody to come back tomorrow night. We'll be beginning at 7 with our praise and worship. But let me encourage you to get here in plenty of time to get a good seat. Amen. Come expecting a great move of the Holy Ghost. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.